Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of the Cult Popshow podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, get up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, give us something to talk about in the post-credit scenes at the end of each episode, or even contribute to the discussion in the episode itself, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash Spooky ghosts. That's Richard. right, we're doing Spook August. Spook August. What about August? <laughs> ah, real ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Um, welcome along, everybody, to Film Franchise Fortnite on the Cold Popshire Podcast. My name is AJ. Over there is Richard. And we uh, do this podcast where every fortnight we talk about a different franchise. And today we're doing a podcast about a franchise called Paranormal Activity. But I think it should be called Spooky Goings On. Mm. That's what I would have called the parody. Yeah, that got right. that got made in 2013. Hmm. Uh, that's what I would have called it. Spooky goings on. The, Spooky I, I, I would call on. it. I would call it. These activities aren't normal. I'd go. This didn't actually happen, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like it's like the spooked version of the unless meme. Like this didn't this didn't actually happen, right? <laughs> yeah. So the Paranormal Activity franchise is a found footage horror franchise created and developed by a man named Oren Pelly. Uh, and if you've, you don't recognize that name, it's because he has directed one film <laughs> since this one uh, called Area 51, came out in 2015. It boasts a 13% critical score on, on Ron Tomatoes. It was also a found footage. I imagine Oren Pally probably doesn't care though because you know what i reckon he's fucking loaded right? like, this dude has got to be one of the most wealthiest people in hollywood i reckon so he he well maybe not one of the yeah, that's, a, that's such very, a bold claim very wealthy. to make <laughs> oren pally is the richest man in hollywood um so yes the series is uh it consists of seven films that include paranormal activity Paranormal Activity 2, Paranormal Activity 3, Paranormal Activity 4. And I know what you're thinking. Paranormal, Paranormal Activity, Activity The Marked One. Paranormal Activity The Ghost Dimension. And Paranormal Activity Next of Kin. Mm. These are the 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 smorgasbord, the the paranormal. These are the <laughs> this is the chessboard on which we lay our, our pieces. Our seed. Our which is, is our opinion. Wait, we should we and... should mix metaphors here. This is the chessboard on which we lay our scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, the first one came out in two thousand nine. Uh, what do you think this has on Rotten Tomatoes? Quite. Let's get serious for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would guess like you we're talking like eighty six or something. Mm, pretty close. Do you want if you were to minus or add three? to that number 
83. How did you do that? <laughs> yeah, so 83% on Rotten Tomatoes. What is Paranormal Activity, the movie, but I guess broadly the series as well? Yeah, about? so the they're all about cameras being set up in a house to catch spooky goings on. And the first one specifically is about this young couple, youngish couple, Katie and Micah, who move into this youngish, home. From the same age as us. Well, it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't, want, I don't want people to think that they're like 19. You know? um, right, right. But they, yeah, they, they probably are about our age. They, um, they move into this home. Katie claims that she has had spooky goings on. Um, activities that aren't <laughs> she normal ch- since child. she was a child. And so they set up all these cameras to catch it. And so, yeah, the movie just, uh, it, it's a lot of shots of, you know, a high shots of like a bedroom in the middle of the night that like is a time lapse throughout the night. And yeah, just sort of, just kind of off center things start happening. You know, it's a door slamming out of the blue. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, katie getting out of bed and just standing there for two hours and then things start to progress they put down like talcum powder or flour or whatever and they see like non-human footprints in it and and the film ends with katie being dragged out or near the end gets dragged out of bed and it becomes clear but there's a lot of things like that throughout the film Mm. and uh and the films and the films yeah (laughs) Yeah, so Paranormal Activity, very famous uh, success story in in sort of the the modern Hollywood, I guess, because it was shot for fifteen grand uh, and ended up making over a hundred and ninety four million dollars at the box office. Mm-hmm. That you know, this number is not as impressive when you find out that they got two hundred grand in post production after they'd successfully um, sold it to uh, uh, or acquired by Paramount. Um, but the the I think at the time and I think still to this day, Paranormal Activity is the most profitable film of all time. It's between it's there and Blair Witch. And Blair Witch, this beat Blair Witch, right. yeah. Uh, which I think is great and such an interesting film to talk about and such an interesting time in the world when this film came out and its and its legacy that that followed it. Uh, had you seen Paranormal Activity before? Were you part of the hype in 2009? And what what did you think of it? So in, or now? I, I hadn't seen any of these films before. And wow. But it's the kind of thing, you know, we, I mean, we've discussed parodies of it on this podcast. There's <laughs> the, it's, yeah. it's parodied in Scary Movie 5, and mm-hmm. it's, uh, there's this, there's a Simpsons Trials of Horror parody of it as well. And mm. we've spoken about both of those. And yeah, so I, I'd heard, you know, people talk about how scary it was and stuff. I had heard about what I now know as an alternate ending where Katie like walks up to the, screen uh to the camera and slits her own throat and Mm. i remember hearing that in like 2009 or 2010 and thinking that was the most terrifying thing sounding thing i'd ever i've ever ever heard and could ever see (laughs) i remember in either late 2009 early 2010 my high school girlfriend like wanted was like no you were also in high school at the time (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah okay just check the the high school part was referring to me okay yeah she was 37 (laughs) (laughs) yeah although wait maybe she was 37 
No, and, and turning, what was she doing? Because in 2010, I was in my last year of high school, but she and she was out of high school. She was the year above me. Oh. Well, well, well. Spooky. Aren't you a bloody little... Uh, what's the opposite of a cougar? Uh, grave digger. Weird, weird that we have a word to describe the woman in the situation and not the man. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we... Yeah, she really wanted me to watch Paranormal Activity and yeah, one of these things I just straight up refused to. I I believe we put it on one time and I managed to like talk my way out of having to watch it somehow. But mm. uh, yeah, watching it now, I I thought this was fantastic. Like mm, watching right. this cool. in, even in 2023 when I've seen it parodied so many times that it is like watching it. Yeah, I was going, I get why this was such a phenomenon i get why this is so par- it's such an easily parodyable style but it's mm. so effective at what it's doing and for the small budget there's a few things where you're like oh i can work out probably how you did that but it kind of adds to the yeah to the, it always the, does cool. eh? but yeah i like i was just, i was blown away by how effective it is despite you know you're just watching a log uh, shot of something uninteresting for half of the mm. movie but you should give skinner marink a go no, I don't think I will. <laughs> really push that thing you like to its maximum oh uh, yeah <laughs> no nah, not interested in skinner marink but i <laughs> well you never know <laughs> but they might make it into a franchise true but yeah, near the near the end of the film, like there's a bit where they they hear or see something up in the attic, so they go, and then it's like, all right, pass me up the camera, and like I'm I'm dreading the camera making it to the attic mm. because you're like mm, something yeah, scary yeah. is going to be up there, and yeah, there, there yeah. ends up not being. But it's uh, yeah, it's it's done with a lot of uh, mm. knowledge of tension and. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. it's a very well crafted film. I was, I was very impressed. And and there's one thing that this film does really well that uh, not a lot of other found footage films do well, including the ones in this mm. franchise. Um, is I never once am like, why would Micah or Mika? What's it, Micah? Micah yeah. What's it, Mike? Why would Micah still be filming this? Yeah. Like, why? Why would he still be? And and the answer to that question is because Mike is a freak. Really, it's, <laughs> it's kind of that's kind of the explanation is they establish him as the kind of guy that is does care about capturing the footage that much, you mm. know. And it's something that like for every every par- the, the number next to paranormal activity indicates how much the. Uh, um, why would they still be filming this? Itis has increased <laughs> for each each film. I think. Th- this franchise is like the poster child for diminishing returns. Ah, one hundred percent. Yeah, but I will say that, like, even when we get to the ones that we're talking about, that I'm like, yeah, this was shit. I didn't dislike watching any of them. Interesting. I would say I disliked watching one and a half of them, maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, just. Because, because, and it wasn't even that I was like that interested in the lore or anything like that. It's just that I was, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know that the, the medium just w- worked for me somehow, and then yeah, it was no, changed up mean. enough when it needed to be, and and things like that. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd seen this when it came out in two thousand nine. For years, I've been telling people I've only seen the alternate ending version. Oh, yeah. 
but I don't think that is what <laughs> I think I think maybe I saw one of them, and we'll talk about them in a second. But uh, I hadn't seen it since. Um, but I, I really liked it at the time, and uh, have been looking forward to covering this franchise as well, just because it's such a chunky, uh, chunky, crunchy franchise to talk about. Um, but yeah, I I enjoyed it as well. Thought it was pretty good, as you say. It's very well crafted, and uh, it's very clever in what it knows you know it's doing i guess Mm. like as you sort of said before um so the film stars katie featherstone and micah sloat who played essentially themselves because those are the actors names um which is maybe do you remember if i feel like this was on a patreon episode maybe a year or two ago where i asked who's the most famous person who's the least famous person to have ever played themselves i reckon that was probably like three years ago (laughs) <laughs> probably. <laughs> anyway, probably more. I think I think maybe Katie Featherstone and Micah Sloat uh, <laughs> are the answers to that question, right? I don't know if they're playing them. Because- I think it's more of like a will smith well it's it's, the it's to make it more authentic when the credits roll and it says it's who who was there aren't credits in this like- one though yeah there are no they're not no they're not oh, okay and there's no well, opening, anyway- opening or ending credits it just says like we want to thank the the families of oh, the deceased true 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 it's very, very authentic i would well, say I mean, it's more still... for um the you know these aren't super professional actors from just what i can glean from the <laughs> film but that you know to uh for improvising and stuff that you're not having to re- you know because it's tricky to remember a second name for someone <laughs> that's true that's true i mean micah micah sloat had been a background uh well had a background in camera work um and as just his career so he controlled the camera for the majority of the film which while that's the obvious answer i still thought there was an interesting thing to confirm because from a filmmaking perspective it's like so does the is the actor the dop like or at mm. least the the camera operator and in this case yeah i don't know what the case was for the sequels but for for at least this one that was the case yeah. and i thought that was interesting and and like i looked at these guys imdb pages because it's like when you played a character with your own name <laughs> and a low budget film can you still play <laughs> well, obviously you can but would you know what's it like like imagine if these guys became super famous and you go back and watch Paranormal Activity and it's like they've now just got the names of known celebrities. <laughs> so DreamWorks, uh, before it was bought out by Paramount, uh, the plan was to remake the film with a bigger budget. Um, they had seen it playing, I think, at some festivals. Um, and the plan was like, all right, we'll we'll re we'll redo it so it's got more, you know, we can do more special effects, and we'll we'll change up that ending. Um, and they had some test screenings to, with the original cut to see what people did or didn't respond to. And another very famous Hollywood anecdote: audience members began leaving because of how frightened they were. And when that happened, uh, DreamWorks were like. Okay, I don't think we should change the mm. film then. I, you know, which is such a, a rare, what a rare, yeah. a rare smart move from a studio like that, right? Um, so they did change the ending, mm. and we can talk about that now. The um original scrapped ending, uh, Katie returns. Uh, so 
she gets dragged out of the room. Micah chases her. You hear Micah get killed, and then she comes back in the room. Um, she's covered in blood and holding a large kitchen knife. She sits on the floor against the bed and rocks back and forth. The next day, Katie's friend Amber leaves a concerned message at 2 p.m., visits the house at 9 p.m., and discovers Micah's body downstairs and runs away in panic. 30 minutes later, two policemen enter the house and reach the bedroom where they find the possessed Katie with the knife. Seeing them, Katie suddenly returns to her normal state and asks about Micah after the attic door slams by itself one of the officers panics and shoots and kills her Mm -hmm. the camera fades to black as the police officer continues searching the house for the source of the sound an epilogue text appears dedicating the film to the memory of Micah and Katie what a dramatically different trajectory for the franchise if that had been I do also I just want to quickly clarify one thing you said that the being dragged out of bed isn't the last night on the last night where she kills Micah she just gets she gets out of bed stares at him for a bit and then goes downstairs yeah and right. then screams for him which is then yeah. maybe we yeah. see that again <laughs> 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 Um, the alternate ending, which is the one you talked about, after killing Micah off screen, Katie comes back upstairs alone as as she does in the original ending. She closes and locks the door, approaches the camera, and promptly slits her own throat before collapsing dead. The scene then fades to black. So what happens in the actual ending is that she you hear Micah get killed downstairs and then his body comes flying toward the camera because she's thrown him uh at the camera and then she walks over and sort of looks up at crouches down looks up at the camera and her face sort of contorts before she launches cut to black um what did you think of this ending because i think it's the weakest part of the film (laughs) for something that they took three attempts to get right i don't think any of these endings are particularly satisfying and i think it's very for 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 a for a for a team that was wise enough to go, we actually shouldn't remake this because this mm. is scary enough as is, I thought it was quite unwise to actually employ CGI to make her face turn into more of a demon. Mm. I think if you were going to do that, it, she should have been so close to the camera that it was like out of focus. I think mm. that would be a way cooler way to do it is if you saw an out-of-focus contortion, but the way they do it now, it's it's just kind of silly. I yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I like the ending. I like the Micah's body being thrown at the camera, that it's like mm-hmm. essentially breaking the fourth wall, um, yeah, even right, though you know, the yeah. fourth wall's been in tatters the entire time. But it is <laughs> like... Yeah, it's, it's a big jump scare in a film that actually hasn't really had any. But has mm, made true. you think there's one coming for its entire yeah. 86 minute runtime, and yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, I, don't, I, I didn't really notice her face being that distracting. I remember it having some sort of you know effect on it, but I wasn't you know very distracted. I just think it's it's like the greatest thing about this movie, and it's something I think when I saw it the first time I didn't appreciate, but now I do. Mm. I think the fact that there's so little that actually happens in it mm. in terms of paranormal activity i think that's fucking genius you know and this is a moment where it feels like the big budget that that's 250 or 200 grand of post-production that got added to their 15 grand budget it feels like that's that coming through mm. a little bit more than it needs to yeah i mean um, like because yeah. the camera gets knocked down so it would make sense that some the focus is glitching mm. out or something like that yeah there could yeah, be exactly. something yeah, yeah. Kill with that i'm sure yeah 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 
Uh, do you have any like favorite moments or anything that or things you thought worked really well that you wanted to discuss? Uh, I really like the Ouija board burning. Mm-hmm. They 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 yep. use a Ouija board to try and sort, and That's then cool. after yeah, they yeah. leave, it moves on its own, and then mm. bursts into flames, and then just judging by like the movement of it they try to work out what it was saying that was quite good yeah, that's cool there's the the moment with the attic i thought was really effective mm. it was funny one thing that i had been watching because jess had seen it before and we watched it together mm. and <laughs> every time there was a bedroom because I, I knew that there was one bit where uh katie gets dragged out of bed and so every time it yeah. cut to a shot of their bedroom i would say oh is this the bit where she gets dragged out of bed <laughs> now if you've seen the movie, you'll understand how many times I would have said that during <laughs> watching the film. And uh, she got pretty... I mean, I was genuinely curious every time, but it's it's right at the, It's quite close to the end of the film. Uh, and then so you can imagine, uh, you know, what a relief for both of us that was when she finally was <laughs> dragged out of bed. Yeah. Well, we can move on to these sequels in just a moment, but I do think uh, part of the legacy of Paranormal Activity is not really its sequels, it's the resurgence of found mm. footage. Um, and it's interesting, isn't it, that when you think, oh, what's the what was the original found footage horror movie? Like, most people, I, don't, I think this is technically not correct, but most people are going to say The Blair Witch Project, mm. right? But it's interesting that that didn't really start a trend of found footage movies it wasn't Mm. till 10 years later with paranormal activity that this genre and you know back then back then there were dozens of found footage movies released every week i feel (laughs) like i remember i remember watching diary of the dead the george a romero Mm. um found footage movie and thinking it was so dumb how like the characters in it were like we're going to add scary music to the scary parts in post-production <laughs> to to enhance the effect and it's clearly like a director who just did not get on board with that particular genre and was like no no there's still gotta be and and i remember like things like chronicle and project x coming out and being like wow you can do it with other genres like mm. i remember people people saying on reddit being like as soon as someone figures out another genre that works with found footage that's gonna like go wild and i guess we you know we sort of got that with superhero and and i guess what how would you describe project x a a teen comedy yeah it has like a darkness to it doesn't it i don't know i'm actually saying i guess but that's maybe maybe inherent to the to the i mean i would say the other big one which actually came out between which helped to the resurgence which came out between paranormal activities uh premiere and its wide release because it 2007 it was like first shown uh right. it was cloverfield came out in 2008 very true i was used took there was such a long lead in to tell me what movie it was and i was like what the hell is he gonna say <laughs> and then you were right that is a bit probably a better example well i don't know i feel like when when did did so would i have seen cloverfield before paranormal activity uh, yeah unless you were at like the one screening it had in 2007 Ah, oh, what a what an interesting wrinkle in my memory. I really feel like it was Paranormal Activity that did the yeah. did the work there. But oh well, uh, I've somewhat arbitrarily written franchise here, where we discuss mm. why they decided to turn this into a franchise. Um, you know, we've talked about retiring this segment because the answer is always money, but this time especially it was money. Well, I think <laughs> as well that it's like this one's money in two different ways because normally 
money's just like, well, I made a bunch of money, so let's try and make a bunch of money again. The I think the key to paranormal activity success is they are so cheap to make. That's true. Yeah, very, very cheap. The actors are literally using their own names. Yeah, you don't even have to pay for someone to write new names for them. <laughs> a very important job on most films. <laughs> um, Paranormal Activity 2 came out a year later in 2010, and these this franchise really just quite comfortably <laughs> kept putting one out every year or two. It's crazy. Uh, until, until now. Um, so this year, it came out in 2010, was directed by Todd Williams, a name who is not especially important to the podcast however i did think it was interesting that uh apparently other directors who who nearly signed on include akiva goldsman brad anderson greg mclean and brian de palma yeah. apparently <laughs> like in talks to direct what what an upgrade of a director from no name oren pally to brian well, I mean, de palma uh, to be fair uh, oren pally is one of the richest men probably in the world that's true in the universe <laughs> uh what do you think paranormal activity 2 has on ron tomatoes uh, i would say it's like 60 it's hovering around that mark mm. yeah it's got 58 yeah. so it's hovering around that mark yeah. uh, and what is paranormal activity 2 about so this is a prequel with a little sort of coda sequel to the first one yeah uh and also kind of a midquill yeah it's so it's this one is katie from the first film sister has mm. weird goings on happening spooky you could almost sp- say. spooky goings on and more or less the same thing happens it's it's said oh you know that it's these two katie and christy when they were kids had this thing and you know maybe we'll see that happen but mm. yeah they they fire their nanny because she burned some sage in the house which you know feels like maybe a bit of an overreaction but <laughs> yeah the, uh, I, I don't know how much else there is to say there is a dog in this one and there's a little baby <laughs> <laughs> there's a little baby the main thing that this one reveals in terms of the very important paranormal activity lore definitely the reason you are watching mm. the sequels the lore is that um well firstly it reveals that the demon that's after them has been wanting or well, was promised the firstborn son from their like grandparents great-grandparents i think since the 30s mm. and hunter who is uh christie's son is the first male born in that family since since 1930s and so you find out that basically the demon wants the son uh, and you also find out at the end that the way they manage to defeat the paranormal activity is they conduct a ritual. This is Christie's uh, husband and daughter, um, or stepdaughter. They conduct a, a ritual which uh, transfers the demon's possession to the next of kin, the closest family member, which is her sister. So I guess it changes the... The, i think mm. that this is good prequeling it's not a better film than the first <laughs> yeah, one yeah. but it's a good good prequel move to be like um this is why mm. this is why it, it goes for katie is because two months earlier they transferred it from christy to katie and it, tr- it changes how you understand the first film so mm. i thought that was good stuff um yeah and then it cuts to uh the night 
after the end of the first film and Katie shows up mm. and steals Hunter. But I yeah. I will say one thing in this film. So Katie and Micah have little, they pop in for their little guest appearances. And yeah. when Micah shows up on screen, it has like, because you're shown the date a bunch of times throughout the, the yeah. film. And it says like September 9th one month before Micah's body is found, like when he's on yeah, screen. Yeah. And I was like, oh, fuck, that's dope. <laughs> yeah, I th- that's cool. It's I, cool. Thought it was, I was like, <laughs> gave me chills. I thought it was so good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, it's kind of like, it's it's an interesting um, tent pole to put in the timeline mm. is that it's all, it, that that's the first like official thing that happened on public record. Mm. So, so it's like, it's like the battle of Yavin from Star Wars, right? Yeah, like yeah. The death of Micah Sloat is this like line in the sand. It also just like, yeah, yeah. It, it, it feels more like the a true crime sort of thing yeah, because it's like, absolutely. you know, you, you, you would watch, like if this all actually happened, you'd be like, oh shit, like, that guy that they found his bodies here and then it's like oh this was yeah, only yeah. one month before that happened yeah yeah um what so what did you think overall of paranormal activity 2 you obviously hadn't seen it before uh, yeah i mean like i said it's uh, very much a franchise of diminishing returns and i think that they're starting to diminish already but it's still <laughs> fairly strong um yeah I, I remember I quite liked this when I first saw it. Do you want to know my memory of first seeing this movie mm-hmm. was on like watchmovies.com at my friend Carl's house and we watched a cam rip of it just sitting at his computer desk watching it one night. Wow. And I remember he was very scared and I thought it was good. But You've never mentioned Carl to me before. Carl. Oh. Carl. Hey Carl, if you're listening. I doubt Carl is listening. Um, but uh, the... I remember my favorite bit in this film is when um, Christy is like crying in the kitchen because she's so paranoid or scared of all the spooky goings on. Uh, and then all the the cupboard doors and pots and pans mm. like fly out. And it's it borderline feel it's towards the end of the film, but it borderline feels like the first like irrefutable thing that's happened <laughs> yeah, right. in the movie in a lot of ways and so it was just i always thought that was that was super powerful and and um really effective mm. yeah and it would yeah. give you such a fright too oh it would give me the biggest fright dude and it's funny like things like there's a whole storyline in this about how the pool cleaner gets keeps getting removed from the pool and it kind of it's it's supposed to be the ghost is doing that and i was like why is <laughs> why, why is the the ghost what what beef does the ghost have with the swimming pool cleaner oh uh, yeah well and there's also like similar to that there's like a bit where they someone takes like a massive shit in the house yeah and, and they're like and they because it's in like the the daughter's ensuite and she's like, yeah. no, it wasn't me. And yeah, I guess the implication is that the demon just <laughs> took a massive shit in their house. <laughs> That's great. Um, we've also got another th- body thrown to camera. Um, mm. And this one is, is so, it, as you say, it, it, uh, it switches to after the first film for the final scene where Katie shows up and um, Christy is is nursing uh, Hunter in his bedroom and then uh, Katie just walks in and shoves Christy and she flies towards the camera and we're told that uh Christy and Daniel's bodies were found by their daughter, Ali, after she came back from like a school trip. Mm. Uh, and that the whereabouts of Katie and Hunter are unknown. 
And we may never know, Richard, because what are the odds that someone's also going to capture that on camera? <laughs> I mean, in a it's narratively a, a million satisfying to one. way. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, I tell you, so I, I when I watched the first one, I googled to see if the actors had done anything notable afterwards, and saw that Katie was in like Paranormal Activities two, three, four, and five, but not six. And my mind was blown. <laughs> I, I I was so sure, based on nothing, that this was an <laughs> anthology series. Like I was so sure, based on nothing, is the white man's experience. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just that, like, the fact that these have a continued through line. And even stuff like, oh, you know, the second one's technically a prequel. I was like, oh, it'll be the people that were in the house before them or something like that. But it's like, right. no, no, this is like a family and a very clear through line. It, yeah, insane to me. Like, and I, yeah. I was going to uh, check this, but like to get six movies in a horror franchise, which are very explicitly the same story, and then the seventh one's kind of a reboot, is like... Is a six film run would that be like the longest we've had in a horror franchise that's like explicitly one story uh i feel like halloween is explicitly one story for you have movies. uh three in the middle of that though oh you have three in the middle of it um okay well what what else are we talking like stuff child, like child's play child's play is is one full story yeah, for like eight, yeah, yeah. seven movies maybe um, I think it's the what's well, the or is it is it the seventh one? No, it's the, it was the eighth one that was mm. the reboot. But because I was thinking like something like I, I mean I, I'm just counting stuff like Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the Thirteenth where it's like it doesn't matter that the other ones have happened, you know? Like yeah, right, right, yeah. With this one is is so like you need to watch. Well, you probably don't need. To, yeah, but that's probably the the benefit of doing them as prequels because. The third film, Richard, Paranormal Activity 3, which came out in 2011, is another prequel. When have we seen two prequels in a row? That's my question. When have we seen a third film be a prequel to the second film? You know? Um, which Scorpion was a prequel King. to the first. Scorpion King is... No! No, because... Well, Scorpion the... King's a prequel, and then Scorpion King 2 is another, a prequel to that. Oh, I guess Scorpion King's a prequel. I think of it more as a spinoff, but you're, you're right, actually. I guess that does count. <laughs> All right, fine. Accepted. Move on. Paranormal Activity 3, directed by Henry Joost and Ariel Shulman. Uh, the two guys behind the movie Catfished, which I don't really know anything about. The movie? But... Well, you didn't even know the title. It's just called Catfish. <laughs> well... There you go. It, it, it put them on the map enough to uh, make them a big deal. Which is, is fascinating that like these two guys made a documentary and you know Catfish is similarly to the first Paranormal Activity is just like a group of guys making a thing, you know, like mm. and then ended up co essentially coining the term, you know, what, like the modern yeah. sort of meaning of the word Catfish. And then that spun off into a TV show while these guys went and made that. And, it, and it's fascinating. I, I mean, I knew that those guys made this for since it came out. And I've always found it fascinating that, yeah, like to get documentary filmmakers for the Paranormal Activity movies because it's like you kind of yeah, want right. it to look like a documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you think that this also, one has I will on say, the Catfish, the, the actual documentary, is great. The no, the TV show is very like trashy, 
and it's it's right. you know MTV reality show. The movie right. is a, goes a lot more into why someone would feel the need to catfish someone. Right. And but then there's also there's allegations that it's not totally legit because it's like why are they documenting their friend's romance before they believe anything's wrong with it? And then there's like an interview where they're like, "Oh man, people think it's fake." Like so so Nev must be the greatest actor of all time, and you know we must be the greatest writers of all time. And it's like, well, no, this it's not the greatest story of all time. <laughs> like, but uh, but you know it's it's convincing. But I think that it's you know they could have faked the stuff earlier or like cotton on to it earlier than they let on in the film, and that's just part of making a documentary. But do you know where the term, like why it's called catfish? Tell me. So and the husband of the woman who was catfishing nev is tells a story about how when um when they would ship like barrels of fish of like um cod i think they would chuck a catfish in there with them because if you just ship them by themselves they just sit there and because essentially become stale even though they're still alive but they like because they're not moving so they would chug a catfish in there with them which would like nip at their fins and force them to keep swimming so that they would stay fresher and Mm. he sort of says you know like we need catfish in our lives to keep us on our toes and right so the analogy in the movie is not what the phrase means it's uh, just that's the phrase because of the movie yeah (laughs) wow yeah. that's interesting so like the movie never <laughs> refers to it as being catfished or anything like that but isn't fishing like didn't that predate the movie like p-h-i-s-h-i-n-g oh like fishing emails yeah uh yeah probably yeah i thought that's what it was referencing yeah, no. but yeah it's 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 an interesting thing that it's like it, even even watching the movie it's not fully clear like i mean it's a it's a cool title that it's like you know just taken from something that one of the guys says which i know you love when titles do that i do love when titles do that um what does paranormal activity 3 have on ron tomatoes uh we're going down so i would say like 40 we're actually going up oh wow richard this for for a franchise that's the poster child of diminishing returns it's also technically not diminishing returns for a lot of it um but yeah 67 on rotten tomatoes so it's almost good i there are people on the discord who were saying that this was their favorite one uh i think it's probably about 67 compared to the first one's 83 uh but yeah what is paranormal activity 3 about so this one we we take it back way back to the uh the 1988 and uh, yeah we see the original paranormal so spooky goings on which befouled katie and christy when they were kids christy has this imaginary friend toby who may or may not actually be imaginary and uh, yeah they they start like doing toby's biddings and stuff but it is yeah it's also weird that like you know it's found footage but there's not really and because you know you wouldn't want to watch a movie like this but there's no real effort to make it look like the footage was filmed in 1988 (laughs) yeah well i actually read that that they said that they got to the house that you know decided to film it and they were like this looks pretty good already. Well, let's just leave it as it is. Um, but I agree. I think it's exciting to do like a period piece 
Hmm. found footage movie but then to like it doesn't really like they use vhs tapes the Hmm. the stepdad who's the main camera guy in this film he's like a um video editor but like an old school like videotape editor Hmm. um and so that's how it all it all works but yeah not a lot of 80s uh not not a lot of um yeah effort gone into making it a cool thing that it's set in the 80s i guess yeah and it's like yeah yeah it would just you wouldn't want to watch a movie that like even you like making a found footage film and like i mean blue witch project doesn't look great by today's standards but like no. yeah to do it with 1988 home video technology is like <laughs> yeah it would just look like shit. maybe the, the the tapes are still like being able to be restored you know hmm. maybe it's I mean, like maybe maybe what's more paranormal than that yeah exactly exactly uh, yep so so it ends with the girls they they um go to their grandma's house because they're so the whole family's so scared of how haunted their house is and only to discover that their grandma's the bad guy who would have seen that coming um the, uh, the main guy gets killed and the girls are taken off to learn how to be passengers for satan or something like that yeah um this was the the last one I saw before the the podcast. Oh, wow. Um like so I, I hadn't seen any of them from here onwards. Yeah, talk but about I remember going eyesore. to see this Thank you. Um I remember going to see this in the movies oh. and I remember the, the, the ending where they like uh go to the the coven and there's there's a bunch of witches and being like, This is pretty spooky, but yeah, it's it pretty right. spooky. What do you think of it? Do you think it's good? I I put it more or less on par with the second one. The second it one? was interesting that like because I knew that yeah, the other Shulman and Juiced directed the fourth one as well, so I figured that like oh this is you know they got it and yeah yeah sure yeah it's it's yeah. still pretty decent. Um, it doesn't betray the franchise in any way. It's just. Uh, yeah i I like that doing you know horror films with creepy kids are like always that's that's a winning formula we've seen that a million times Mm. and they do they do it a million times yeah yeah like in this franchise i mean yeah (laughs) yeah yeah uh, according to imdb the scene uh with christie's loose tooth was real um ariel shulman was quoted as saying little girl shows up on set and says she's got a loose tooth we say film it work it into the scene can't fake that wow <laughs> um, so there's a little bit of fun and she kept trivia acting she kept acting um the film takes place in september 1988 uh with certain dates highlighted graphically one highlighted date is september 10th 1988 but then the events skip ahead past september 11th 1988 a storytelling decision that was very important to the filmmakers um henry juice said out of respect never gonna do that (laughs) (laughs) Um, i think there's a fairly strong argument that this should have been the final film in the series or rather like the best place to stop and start with a new story um, in the next film there's still the um uh the the question of where is katie yeah i guess so but that's i guess that is yeah maybe but then you know we get that answer and it's not that interesting yeah but it's just that like Um, there is still a big loose thread i see i see 
Well, I do think that this is the last gasp of lore about Toby that's actually interesting. <laughs> I don't think it's as I don't think the like lore stuff is as compelling as the this this what this Paranormal Activity Two offers. I think it's probably overall a better movie than Paranormal Activity Two, though. I also think though that this is like the last stop for me in terms of how much suspension of disbelief I'm willing to give the film. Like the first one is literally just a couple filming their house. Mm. And the second one kind of gets away with implying that Micah got the idea from them. Mm. So they did it first. So it kind of gets it, it gets away with it. Um, but the, I think it's, it's paranormal activity three where I start going, are you telling me that these main girls, both who happen to film their paranormal activity in their house, are you telling me their stepdad also filmed demons and ghosts when they were children? Well, that's where like, they got which the also idea. <laughs> and it also like conveniently sheds more light on the story just by pure coincidence like i get i get that that's the format of the film right yeah. it's a pretty silly thing to argue but i didn't have to fight that when i watched the first film i wasn't a skeptic when i watched the first film but now i'm going like imagine being the like x-files fbi guy who's like being assigned this case and you get given these yeah, yeah. <laughs> these tapes that have been found you'd be like this is the easiest job in the world <laughs> <laughs> oh it's it's interesting because the film's came out at a strange time where you would ask this question if there was a film that came out now called spooky goings on and it was a found footage mm-hmm. film where that you know they'd filmed everything on their phones mm-hmm. like yeah you would just film everything on your phone because we're yeah, bloody, maybe, we're bloody yeah. addicted to these things you know yeah but in 1988 yeah, exactly. they well, were they, outside yeah, they i'm were agreeing with you cunt jesus <laughs> so yeah it's it's weird like we yeah, the, the idea of doing that in 1988, 1988 is crazy. And then, yeah, like like you say, like one and two and parts of four, I guess, are like, you can get away, you can get away with that. But then, yeah, it's like we, I, I, but then at the same time, you know, home video was so new to these people that they would be like, oh, this is the answer to our problems. Mm. I reckon, um, what's his name what's the main characters dennis is the main is the stepdad's name in this he gets he gets killed by having his like body crunched up by the witches Mm. at the end and i reckon he wouldn't have died if he'd put down the camera and just focused on getting out like it's real like it's like this is the first one i think where it's like oh well this is what tripped you up was your incessant whereas in like paranormal activity one if that had happened and the things that happened that are like that i feel like they're an acknowledged flaw of the character yeah, whereas right. in this it's just like uh what a dumb decision to make <laughs> <laughs> um the trailer have you seen the trailer for paranormal activity three no it is maybe one of the most flagrantly dishonest <laughs> trailers I've ever seen. Um, it features, I think I read somewhere, fifty percent of the footage in it doesn't appear in the movie, and it's not like it's like promotional, you know, like a short film or whatever. It's like it's scenes, just disjointed scenes, um, that don't appear in the movie. Um, an entire character appears in the trailer that isn't in the movie. A um, a demonologist who's like 
checking out the house and then at one point gets like telepathically ripped across the room um there's a few flashes of moments which i thought looked far more harrowing than anything that actually happens in the movie there's people getting like thrown onto the beds and like attacked by by the invisible stuff in the night um and there's even a uh, a brief shot which implies the whole house goes up in flames at one point which is the backstory established mm. in previous films but not shown in this one so like there's there's like a shot where you just see this neighborhood on fire and it looks real it looks massive it looks like such a big deal and that the movie just does not go into any of that that's crazy <laughs> yeah is that allowed well it got in trouble like people didn't people got mad at it oh yeah i've you just watched youtube it comments it's crazy because and, and it also just looks like it could just be because of the quality of it and everything like that it looks like it could just be like news footage of a um Mm. of a fire inserted in yeah and like this stuff doesn't it's not like it's deleted scenes that appear Mm. as dvd extras they're just not in the film crazy (laughs) they were shot for the trailer and it's presumably i guess because like i feel here's why i would have done something like that is because the actual scares (laughs) the actual scares are so sparse that to show any of them in the trailer would be like giving too much Mm. of the movie away Mm. maybe that's that's the only way i can think of why it would have been done interesting yeah but hey richard a year later in 2012 we got paranormal activity 4 also directed by henry juiced and ariel shulman now you said before these guys got it that's why they were given the sequel so what do you think the rotten tomatoes score yeah this one is for- <laughs> much lower it's like 25 23 percent on rotten tomatoes what is paranormal activity 4 about so this one is set five years after the first one and there's a new house and so hunter and katie are still uh at large at large and yeah there's this new family you got Catherine newton who's like the only sort of recognizable person in the franchise who <laughs> yeah and then paranormal activities start going on and then it's you know there, she's got these like two younger brothers is that right? Yeah. No, she's got a younger brother and a creepy boy from across the road yeah. who starts hanging out with her younger brother. Yeah. And so it's implied throughout the whole film that the creepy boy across the road is is actually Hunter and then it turns out, no, Hunter's the brother. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's say yes. Yeah. So, so there's anyway, it, it's the same movie. It's the same paranormal goings <laughs> on, but there's just some lore yeah. it ends up being that uh, katie ends up showing up as well right at the end of the film mm. and yeah. they, they go back to the original house is that right or yeah uh, who cares <laughs> <laughs> that's good enough, that's a good enough of a plot summary it's also probably worth saying that each film kind of introduces a new uh like found footage gimmick so like in three he puts the camera on like a rotating fan so you see like the the camera moves across I liked that. from I one side cool. side to there it's really good for for some spooks mm. some tensions um and this one uses an on. xbox connect this one uses an xbox connect which when you film a house in night vision you can see all the like ultraviolet dots that are connect displays across the, across across a room and it's very 
silly and very like okay yeah. <laughs> like it just feels like like xbox connect like sponsored the film and they based a, a horror movie around advertising xbox oh, like they have some um, fun with it and i i, I bought into it I, I thought it was pretty i i, I thought yeah, the shots yeah. looked pretty cool it's just a bit cheesy, I think. Yeah, it's a bit yeah, like, sure. okay. Um, and they also, there's also like webcam footage in this one, which hmm. a lot of the quotes from the people making the film seem to imply they think this was their innovation, but surely we had like people doing webcam horror found footage before. Like when did Unfriended or whatever come out? Like five years after this. Really? Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, what did you think of this one? I know it was two years after this. <laughs> uh this one, yeah, this this was a, a downhill, mm. a downward trajectory for me. Trajectory, yeah, yeah. I think uh, this is the worst. Uh, I, I don't think this is the worst one in the franchise, but I sure, do yeah. think it's it's the biggest waste of money. Like, if biggest waste say, of time. Yeah, let's let's say you know, let's imagine that Paramount cares about the critical success of a film and not a not the financial success of a film i feel like if they could go back in time you'd just skip this one it's the it's the one you can skip like it offers Mm. like barely anything new like in any real tactile way and it's just like it's the one i would forget to tell people about if i was regaling them with the entire uh saga you know yeah it's yeah i mean i've fucking barely remember the bulk of the plot (laughs) um i really liked uh catherine newton's character's boyfriend in this her name's alex his name's ben Mm. and i thought he was real funny and i was real bummed when he gets his neck snapped and i was like oh this guy was great man my my favorite bit was when the creepy kids like hanging out and they're checking out the connect light dots and he's like this is fucking awesome and this little kid goes watch your language and he goes okay and it was real just like great i thought it was great um and then i read that uh catherine newton was 15 and matt shively who played ben was 21 during filming isn't that fucking gross and something that probably wouldn't happen now (laughs) Uh, yeah yeah weird richard have you ever experienced paranormal activity? Have you ever been playing Xbox Connect and seen a seen the Connect dots make a shadow of a person walking through the night? No, there was the one story when I heard that ethereal noise at night, which I've told on the podcast before, but that's about it. That's the most paranormal thing that's happened to you. Probably, yeah. Uh... And it wasn't, it was, <laughs> you found out it wasn't paranormal. What? Paranormal activities don't, aren't real. <laughs> do you know, do you reckon there's like anything more to life or is this, is, is, is well, it like, you know, as Stacey note? Rico said, there's got to be more to life. <laughs> Avoiding the question makes me think that you actually do think there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com weightloss weight loss. That's PlushCare.com weightloss weight loss. 
plushcare.com slash weight loss that goes surreal uh no i mean i'm pr- i'm pretty skeptical when it comes to things that aren't you, you know any of those classic of ghosts aliens etc i'm mm. i'm a, i'm pretty skeptical on, on those things i think that yeah, I know. I'd like to believe in something like that, but it's yeah, nothing's bought me in just yet. I asked, I asked this, I guess, because because you want me to ask pr- you. No, I actually don't have a story, but I remember you don't. You haven't heard anything. <laughs> See how that feels. I remember like watching these as a young Christian and feeling like, oh my god, this is going to happen to me. So like, it adds like a new uh d- dynamic to it i guess when like i was editing a, a letterbox video recently for the film the blackening and they were t- the cast was talking about like what they thought the scariest movies were and one of them goes it's the spiritual shit that's the most scary because it's real and then a couple of the other cast members like yeah 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 and then they move on and i was just like what the hell <laughs> what do you mean let's go back to that thing you just said it's real i don't know about that <laughs> Paranormal Activity took a break for a couple of years uh, after Paranormal Activity 4, but came back in 2014 with Paranormal Activity The Marked Ones. This was directed by a fella that goes by the name of Christopher Landon, Mm. who I think is a name that we are going to start saying a lot more in the next year or so, uh, because he is in talks or has been confirmed as being Mm. the director of Scream 7. Um, and for those of uh, those of you out there who, like Richard and I, are very concerned about the Scream series having a potentially bad movie, um, this guy also directed Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day to you. So and freaky and freaky. So and, and we a have ghost a ghost. In, we, I was going to say there's a ghost in the house, but that's yeah. actually not uh, as silly. It is interesting though that like ah, this didn't. Watching this didn't fill me with as much. Um, uh hope is yeah i don't know he's, he's a he's a mixed bag director i think that's true and he did stay on the franchise post this to to write some stuff but i, yeah, he I, also I like did, more yep he, he uh he wrote disturbia but also yeah he, he he wrote um paranormal activities two to through to this one yeah yeah i like more of his stuff his directorial stuff than i don't i guess so yeah you know, maybe given the right um, franchise, he'll be able to figure it out. Uh, what do you think this one has on Ron Tomatoes? All of this ominous <laughs> discussion about how good of a director he is. Oh, sorry, my camera. Oh my off. god, that's spooky, AJ. <laughs> my cam- my web, my webcam turned off, everyone. But it's because I kicked something. Why do you think this has on Ron Tomatoes? Uh, like forty percent, thirty nine percent. Nice. What's it about? So this one is like, I've seen it described on Wikipedia as like a Latino spinoff of the franchise, but it's like, I, I, I mean, I like, it's only a spinoff because the other ones have been so cohesive that it's like, mm. it is, oh God, he's back. <laughs> and AJ, I'm talking about, but the, yeah, so this is like a, a, a group of um, teenagers Imagine um, if I turned my my webcam back on and there was like a ghost behind me, like and I'd planned this elaborate yeah. ruse. That'd have been great. <laughs> Sorry, go on. But yeah, so they 
they they encounter this entity by playing the game like Simon the little the game with the four lights mm. and you have to yeah, yeah. copy the pattern and so they start connecting and then one of them wakes up one morning and he has this bite mark on his arm and then he all of a sudden has superpowers mm. and this demon has taken control of him their friend murdered someone and he shows up after being on the run and was like what happened to me is going to happen to you and then he dies and then all these the the goings on get weirder and weirder and spookier and spookier until he starts like traveling through time and like through the ghost dimension and he like Mm. he disappears at one point and then he like pops back into like flying in midair and then which is must be a trailer image i I swear i've seen that before but then uh he goes through this spooky door and ends up in the household of katie and micah and it's revealed that at the end of the first film when mike when katie went downstairs and just stood there for quite a while what made her scream out for micah was uh, as it hector touching her on the shoulder to be like who is this and tying everything back together and what i thought was a pretty cool twist and what you thought ruined the entire franchise for you (laughs) yeah i i think um of all the movies in the back half of this franchise or almost anything from one downwards um i think this is easily the most promising i think it it starts and i was like these characters are great they're they're Mm. like fun characters there's a there's a elderly grandma that like gets drunk with them at one point and it like genuinely (laughs) the first it makes you realize how uninteresting every character has been in the franchise up until this point right um but at one point it just turns into chronicle and when he gets superpowers and i was like this is stupid like at first he's like watch this and it does like a trust fall and can't fall backwards without it stopping Mm. him and then and i was like oh okay that's kind of interesting and then he's like watch this and he blows up an air mattress in one breath and i was like okay but the <laughs> then- air, like so so the way the fr- the shot is framed is like the bottom of the air mattress is off camera and he blows up from one side but then like when it goes up in an instant it's clearly being inflated from the side that's off camera <laughs> it's it's like there's a, a lot of those scenes it's like it's very obvious how you did right, this right um and uh there's also he like does this cool skateboard trick where he mm. scales down a railing and then jumps really high and i was like what am i watching what is this this is getting so stupid um but then yeah that last scene seeing the end of paranormal activity one from a different perspective feels like it makes paranormal activity one less scary and less mysterious mm. and it's 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 star wars's problem it's luke skywalker showing up all the time it's like yeah this series is so it's it's like it so needs to get away from the shadow of the first film and every step back toward it mm. uh, ruins yeah, so that. I, you know? I think like had this been like a Final Destination 5 thing where it's like they've all been anthology films and then holy shit, that's Katie and Micah's house at the end, which who we haven't seen since the first film. Mm. You probably would have been more on board with it, right? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, totally, actually. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and the according to IMDb, there was an alternate ending that was was shot but never released um, until uh, later on, uh, which had Jesse Hector and <laughs> never released until sometime later. Well, until the documentary, but I was going to save that for continue the franchise. Um, which is never is a very final thing to say. <laughs> uh, it had Jesse Hector and Marisol in the church with Toby attacking and terrorizing the characters, uh, but was later dropped by the director and the film's ending was reconsidered by having it tie in with the original film instead. So that ending I don't like was originally not even the ending. Wow. And I think um, if the series was an anthology, it would not only make it f- fresher and have newer cooler ideas and more a more diverse range of ideas in the sort in the stories but it also would solve the plot contrivance that this deep mythology all happened to be captured on camera by different unsuspecting people <laughs> like the series should feel i reckon the series should feel more like you're watching different tapes that were seized by the government body that mm. knows about ghosts and you're rifling through and you're finding different tapes from over the years each with a different supernatural thing in it um and that's why so paranormal activity as a franchise is more about the found footage aspect than the story essentially what you assumed going into the series um mm. blind and i think that the marked ones is the film that suffers the most from having to be connected to the others because it's at its most interesting when it feels like well I sh- actually it's it's at its most interesting when it feels like it's doing something new but then it goes a little bit too new with the super <laughs> um, yeah i don't know yeah i i, I kind of enjoyed it like mm. i en- definitely enjoyed it more than four totally i i would say like the the first act i think is the best stuff since the first film yeah yeah at one point there is an earlier connection than the the micah and uh uh katie bit though which is they they find out that uh, a young woman named ali ray has something to do with all of this and they connect with her and she she's you know she lives in another state and she drives over to sort of give them some some information useful information of how to survive the 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 demon attacks um and i remember watching the scene and being like this is big like character from a previous movie energy like i this should be Catherine newton's character like who is this girl it's what a strange scene what an important character i've never heard of anyway uh she's the daughter in paranormal activity 2 <laughs> she's like a main character in paranormal activity 2 and i just did not realize and i feel like maybe neither did you until right now uh maybe <laughs> let's not let's not say i didn't <laughs> I've got some dumb IMDb trivia for you, Richard. Uh, A really stupid piece of trivia put on IMDb about this film. Aside from Paranormal Activity, The Ghost Dimension, Katie Featherstone is the only actress to appear in all the Paranormal Activity movies. Wow. Every single one of them except for one. Yeah, that's exactly what I did before when I said never. (laughs) Hoisted by your own petard. I was actually setting that up. That was my plan. Wow. Paranormal Activity: The Ghost Dimension, the f- the only one to not appear, to not have Katie Featherston appear, um, came out in 2015, so a year later. Directed by one Gregory Plotkin. Well, mm. if the plot is his kin, what's his excuse? Uh, what do you think this has on Rotten Tomatoes? This has got to be like, uh seventeen percent. 
14%. We've got a sub-20. We, we made it to a sub-20, everyone. Uh, yeah, 14% on Ron Tomatoes. It's in 3D. There's a lot of stuff flying towards the handheld camera this time, mm. which, I, you know, does a, does a found footage movie being 3D kind of ruin the point of a found footage film? <laughs> yeah. Um, what is it about? Uh, so this one is about... <laughs> tell you my experience with the film a little bit first is that like i i watched this film and was like because you'd said fuck man this is garbage and i watched it i was like oh it was bad not that bad and then i read like the plot synopsis when i googled it and it's like using a camera that can see the paranormal activity i was like yeah fuck this movie was shit (laughs) yeah yeah it's got a ghost camera in it which feels so tragically inevitable for for this concept right to be like oh you can you can see the writer's room conversation where they were like all right give me ideas for paranormal activity six and then someone's like what if the camera was a ghost (laughs) (laughs) yeah i remember hearing a wee while ago that it's like oh in the sixth one you actually see it like is the first time you actually see and i was like what the fuck like it took that long for them to do it but then in this one i was like i can't believe they did it at all you know yeah i I guess technically that's correct you do see it in this film and boy does it just tank the, the the tension in the room whenever you see it it's like um I guess it's Toby or whoever it is, but mm. when when looking through the the ghost camera, um, which is a camera that can see the ghost dimension, um, this like sort of spooling pillar of creepy smoke appears. Um, it's very it's very gaudy. I didn't like it. This is the worst one, easily. This yeah, is, easily. This is the worst one. There's a great uh, review I found on Letterbox from Screen Crushes Matt Singer, which I really liked. <clears throat> It says, remember when these movies were about a couple desperately trying to get any shred of evidence of the existence of ghosts? The characters in the ghost dimension get enough irrefutable evidence within the first 15 minutes to give the Pope the vapors. But do they do something about it? No, they just walk around like goddamn morons for the demon thingy to try and kill them. (laughs) Which is Uh, so true. Like, Like, I think something that's really unique about maybe a few found footages footage films but paranormal activity in general um especially is is like they something scary will happen and then the next scene is them filming themselves watching the tape back and Mm. being like look something scary happens and from three onwards it starts to get to the point where you just have to go I guess they didn't check last night's tape yet. (laughs) They're not not reacting to the very scary thing they caught on camera. Um, And this is the worst example of that, where like so much of their ales would be, they would have gotten a head start if they'd happened to check the tape earlier and seen what they'd seen, you know? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Yeah. And it's, I, I didn't realize this film was in 3d, but yeah. Like there's a bit where a big hand comes towards the camera. So yeah, shit like that. It's like it sucks. the 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 characters are stupid. The the retreating. Sh- it's 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 like just the same thing. Like it's similar to Paranormal Activity Four, and mm. that it doesn't offer like really anything interesting or new. Um, and it needlessly expands the law that I've stopped caring about a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and I think it it's just it's the it's so cheesy and the title is cheesy. I can't believe a movie that feels as lo-fi as Paranormal Activity One has a sequel with the word dimension in it. It's so like, <laughs> it's so science fictiony, you yeah. know. 
Uh, and it, so th- this one, uh, yeah, it does have the links. Like you see Dennis getting his back fucking snapped again, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, and it sort of tr- tries to like loop into that. And it it feels very because I, I, this one was announced as the final one, and it feels mm-hmm. very like okay, we're showing them the ghosts, we're wrapping up all our loose ends, like, it it feels very, like, by the numbers of what it's trying to do. Yeah, and they watch a lot of the old film, especially Paranormal Activity 3, they watch a lot of that Mm. on there, because they find the tapes, and that's where they get the camera from, and it's like, the ghost camera comes from after they... After Katie and Christy were taken in by the coven, they would film them with the ghost camera to try and see how connected to to everything they were. All mm. of that stuff sounds all right in theory, but it just feels so stupid. There's a bit where they're trying to test Christy or Katie to like see how supernatural she is on these tapes they're watching, and she starts describing the guys watching the tape. And it's it's like, that sounds cool, but here it's just like, this is so dumb. And she's like, I can see these guys in a room with videotapes and screens and then at one point someone sneezes and she goes like bless you and it's like this is so dumb this is so stupid <laughs> but and like it, yeah like i said that there's i still didn't like hate watch this film i was just kind of like really disappointed by how much we were seeing that i was mm. it just felt really silly yeah but like yeah th- these never felt a chore to put on Right. Which is, uh, I, I, you know, maybe is um, due more, you know, to to elements outside of the the films. But uh, yeah, I just I, each day I was happy to come home yeah. and work and pop no, on a paranormal activity. Same, and I think that's what maybe sets this apart from the cavalcade of other horror movies we've had. Because, like, you look at like what friday the 13th was doing in the 90s you know what Mm. each movie looked like and it's this we look on it now as like this hilarious sort of like disjointed lolly scramble of different attempts to do something new or different right and we we look at that sort of like oh well sequels don't do this anymore yes they do look at saw look at paranormal activity they're still Mm. doing it it's just we're in the middle of it you know if we did this podcast in 10 years time and there were 13 paranormal activity movies you would you would so recognize this one as like a classic the wheels are falling off middle of the the franchise sequel you know um and it's just that it feels like it's not the end right now that um, well, it feels like more like it was supposed to be the end right now that we don't necessarily see it as something like that. Um, mm. But yeah, this was intended to be the final entry in the series. Uh, Jason Blum had a quote, which I thought was pretty interesting. He said, it's coming to an end. This is it, the finale. We are saying it before the movie opens. We're not going to grind this horror franchise into the ground. This will keep paranormal activity as part of this culture and this particular time in a really fantastic way. All the questions that everyone has asked from the past Paranormal Activity films, what does Toby look like? What's the backstory to the families? These are questions that have been teased out. Now they will be answered. And buddy, I did not realise you were answering these questions when I was watching this movie. I was never left being like, what does Toby look like? I never was asking that question. And I, mm. I just assumed we knew the backstory by this point. 
like enough of it to you know like yeah. like they're, they're not very cliffhangery films for, for films mm. that are like insistent on t- revealing more about the story with each sequel when the sequels end i'm i was never like oh but then what's going to happen next it's like oh, okay so they were witches oh okay so they took the firstborn boy. Yeah. oh that's what toby looks like yeah yeah <laughs> oh he looks like shit okay good to know <laughs> Uh, interestingly, so you mentioned Jason Blum there, obviously of Blumhouse. Mm-hmm. It's the the we should mention that Paranormal Activity, the first one, is kind of the first big success. Blumhouse production house has yeah. been around since like two thousand, but that was their first big real success and put them on the map. And you know, we wouldn't have Blumhouse as it currently stands, you know, with giving us shit like the um the halloween reboots or um you know the the jordan peele like us and get out were both them Mm -hmm. and even whiplash i think was was blumhouse as well but the the uh, the the funny the interesting thing the film that blumhouse made between paranormal activity and paranormal activity 2 uh do you know what it was no tell me uh it was tooth fairy starring dwayne the rock johnson what the comedy yeah I was thinking like a Tooth Fairy horror movie. I don't remember this. Yeah, no, it was Blumhouse was Tooth, Tooth Fairy. But also, yeah, you, uh, Gregory Plotkin, who directed the film, just like he edited like mm, yeah. two to he, two he edited to five. Get Out as well. Yeah, the, the film he did after this was he edited yeah. Get Out. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah. Uh, do you have anything else you want to say about Paranormal Activity: The Ghost Dimension? Oh, it's, it's, it's very spooky goings on. Yeah. Well, not really. I think it gives. <laughs> too much becomes less spooky Mm. um yeah so paranormal activity next of kin came out in 2021 so the longest break between paranormal activities um and uh it's directed by william eubank what do you think this has on ron tomatoes uh it's a hard (laughs) question eh? right yeah this one is immediately clear what people might think yeah middle i'm gonna say like 49 it only has 26%, which is oh, wow. one of the lowest rated of the franchise. In fact, it's the third lowest, I think. Um, wow. So, uh, yeah, well, I mean, there's probably some pretty obvious reasons for that. But before we get into that, what is the movie about? So this one immediately pissed me off. <laughs> <laughs> so this one is... It's technically a found footage film, but it's mm-hmm. like... It's they're making a documentary, and this yeah. is just the the raw footage. But even, yeah. not even that, really. It's like there's we'll, no, we'll, there's... we'll get into that. Tell us what the story's about. Okay, so you... there's like a they're going to the the woman who's making the documentary. She's a documentary filmmaker. This is her first time like putting herself in it, and she doesn't know like any of her family. They're this like Amish community, so it's like going in to find her her only her you know relatives for the first time, mm. and. Then, of course, spooky goings-on happen. Mm. Osmodius, Asmodius is the mm-hmm. demon called Toby in the previous mm-hmm. film. So it, it, it carries on that it's the same bad guy. Um, mm. And, yeah, spooky goings-on happen. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, the, the biggest talking point is we narrowly avoided just before the visual style but it's not just the visual style but but so the visual style is it's very clean it's it's, it's letterboxed it's, yeah it's filmed with a with a um 
uh, DSLR or at least a you know a very high grade uh, camera. It's made to look very pretty. Uh, and further than that, there's also like editing involved. Like you hear yeah. background music or like something scary will happen and you hear a ping, which hasn't been in the previous ones. Mm. And um, there's also bits where like people will be like chanting or dancing or singing a song and it'll cut to like a b-roll shot of someone in the room which is something that only happens when you're editing because the sound doesn't change it's not Mm. it's not the raw footage this is an edited film which does make sense because well it does make sense until the last scene because they do get away in this film which i thought was interesting Mm. is that the the main characters get away and the last scene of the film is one of the possessed uh amish people killing a, a cop stealing his body cam and driving after them and then the and credits, then the credits roll over there I, I i thought it was a cool ending it's a cool ending yeah yeah but there's also like there's a an action sequence sort of thing in the climax where it cuts to like three different shots mm. where it's like you didn't have cameras in these yeah. three different places one exactly. character is like holding a camera they fall down and it cuts to like a different angle of that even though no one else was there it's so like i wonder if like if you looked for it you could find it maybe there maybe are cameras there or something like that, but it still takes a lot of like liberties with its. Yeah, I mean, because all throughout the film there was bits that I was like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, this is this is just your approach to it now. But there's yeah. just that there's one sequence that's about three seconds long where I was like, you have this has ruined the franchise right here. Yeah, yeah, and because and even that last scene where it's from a different camera is like, well, until now this was like. I, I thought this was the guy who was filming it had gone home and edited it, but where would well, I? I guess I guess the demon went home and edited it. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So I yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because on the one hand, I'm like, wow, a a radically new approach to mm. uh, the the series that sort of brought found footage to the place it is now. But then on the other hand, I'm like, okay, but that radically new approach just kind of looks like a normal movie now. Yeah, it looks like, like a documentary. Yeah, like has the 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 maybe the that found footage style is like the sacred cow that you're not supposed to touch for mm. maybe that's what what makes a paranormal activity movie a paranormal activity movie yeah also if like if you head along to our instagram mm. we if you haven't seen we take photos of while we're watching the films every week uh, every episode and this week episode i was so <laughs> i made the same mistake twice i was so determined to just get like a still shot of like the iconic paranormal activity shot of the high angle bedroom shot from every film, but like specifically pick something where nothing is happening. And then uh, the marked ones isn't about setting up cameras around your house. I was like, fuck, what am I going to do? And then there's one bit where they, they enter a bedroom while holding the camera. And I was like, yes, yes. (laughs) And then when this one, and then six was easy enough to get as well. But then the, when this one started and it's like, fuck, like, they're not going to do it. They're not going to do it at all. But there is there is one bit in the film where she walks into an empty bedroom and there's just a, sh- a wide shot of the bedroom with the night vision on. When, when it flicked to night vision, which I think might be the first time in the film it does it, I was like, yes, yes, come on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this was also a Paramount Plus release. It went straight to streaming. Mm. The new straight-to-video sequel, though, in this one's defense, I would put it well above the ghost dimension, which did go to theaters. Yeah. Um, 
but this uh this um this was also because of COVID. So this went to streaming because planned yeah. cinematic release, but um yeah. Also there's an interesting behind the scenes uh thing about this behind our scenes, not behind the film scenes ah. thing. Yeah, that, let's talk about yeah, it. Yeah, we can do it now because we've done the episode. But in <laughs> for our Spooktober episode twenty twenty one, when we did franchise spooky franchise roulette, we actually initially rolled paranormal activity, but this film was coming out the end of the like so we would yeah. release the episode on the monday and it would come out that friday and so there was just like no way to shake it so that yeah. we could do a spooktober episode and include this one and it's like there is no point in doing a paranormal activity episode yeah. that is going to be out of date in five days yeah and so we just rolled again and then it came up again edited that part out of the episode so for all of you conspiracy theorists out there wondering of all you know have we ever cheated franchise roulette there's an example of a time we're willing to admit to doing <laughs> but it's also like times that we cheat are like they're for your benefit not for ours that's so true and we're not going to tell you how often or when we've done it. <laughs> yeah, but, but it's, it's, it's examples it's, like that of of it's it's yeah. never been we've rolled this and uh, I, I don't, don't want to do, to do it. <laughs> yeah. I was actually real disappointed when Paranormal like, when we had to re-roll, actually. So so there. I actually it's the opposite of sour grapes. I actually wanted to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, according- I, I, I was the one that said we should wait. Yeah. According to IMDb, Jason Blum, who's the producer of Paranormal Activity, that's the, the full trivia piece says, um, he has stated that he despises the film and has expressed no interest in continuing the franchise. Oh wow! He produced cool, it. <laughs> cool job, cool producer job, Jason Blum. That's crazy. So weird. Um, he oh, must yeah. have just been like, "No, the ghost dimension was the perfect ending. It answered <laughs> all the questions that have been asked from past paranormal activity films. Like, what does Toby look like?" <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. Like the thing in talking about the found footage aspect is that, like, if you and I were right, if we were like aerial shellman and henry juiced henry juiced we would our writer's room would have like a whiteboard that at the top of it says like why are they filming yeah and oh so it's such a good point richard yeah every every single scene in the film yeah has to answer that question yeah yeah and it's and it's one of these things that like i don't I can't believe that that isn't as important to the filmmakers as it is to like as as i imagine it would be yeah no it's so true we would do something like that we should make films bro we should make <laughs> films together um i just like the idea of of having a writer's room with you and having a big central question written on the whiteboard every day that sounds yeah. fun which is um, which is we've talked about before yeah yeah <clears throat> um the i reckon the idea for this plot i didn't read this anywhere this is just me speculating came from christopher landon being like all right, what's the most unlikely... Like, where where could you not do a paranormal activity film? Mm. And then going, a community that hasn't embraced electricity. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, that's the obvious answer. And so he landed on the Amish. And when this started, I messaged you and I was like, I could give you a hundred guesses and you would never guess what Paranormal Activity 7 is about because the Amish is not was not something I mm. was expecting to be a massive plot point in the film yeah i mean it is interesting with franchises like this where it's like oh this was the idea that you were like let's dig up this franchise for Mm -hmm. 
And, but it, 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 it is a classic, like, this this one feels like it doesn't need to be a paranormal activity film. Well, another IMDb piece of trivia says, despite sharing the title, the film has no relation with the other films in the series. Previous <laughs> note said that it had the same demon, but that is not confirmed. Uh, that was from a very salty IMDb user uh, and is not true because as you alluded to before, I didn't know this, still doing the research, that the franchise's Freddy Krueger if you will, the Toby, the de- the demon, which is spelt with an I, I didn't know until... It, again, it varies on the on, depending on which Wikipedia, uh, which movie's right. Wikipedia page you're looking at. <laughs> right. Well, T-O-B-I uh, is actually based on a Judeo-Islamic prince of demons named Asmodeus, who features in the Book of Tobit, which mm. is where Toby comes from. Um, the, the Book of Tobit is a deuterocanonical book, uh, which is a book not considered canon by the Protestant Church in the Old Testament, but is considered canon by the Catholic Church, the Eastern Orthodox Church, the Oriental Orthodox Church, and or the Assyrian Church of the East. So the Protestants, as they do, were like, no, not canon. And all the others <laughs> were like, we feel like this still should probably stay in this, you know, this book that we are claiming has been divinely penned. Uh, we yeah. think maybe we shouldn't cut out the story. And the Christians were like, <laughs> no, not relevant. Um, um, Asmodeus is also the demon in the Pope's Exorcist. You're kidding. Maybe they're connected. Pope, <laughs> it shares no relation except for the <laughs> same demon. <laughs> um, Asmodeus is referred to by name as the central evil in this film, uh, but is just called Toby and others. Um, yeah, yeah I, I assumed it was completely different. I just assumed it was a different demon, but I actually quite like that, that this is, you know. And, well, this is what I, I thought the franchise was. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I don't think Toby is said until three, though. So it's not, hmm. I don't know if if, if Oren Pally wrote Paranormal Activity 1 knowing it was supposed to be Asmodeus. But at some point along the way, yeah. Well, he's he's way. too busy living off his his riches, his Area Fifty One money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I really liked a character in this movie called Dale, who's the guy they hire to be their sound guy. Um, he's just <laughs> a a really interestingly played character, and once again pretty fucking bummed when he died <laughs> i thought <laughs> i feel like whenever these movies accidentally create like a compelling character they then give them the most like unceremonious death and i'm talking like he, they can die and i'm not saying oh they shouldn't have killed off the character but like it's less satisfying to like like dale talks about how he looks after his mum and is you know like sleeps mm. in the same bed with her because she's unwell and he's got he's really tall and has like a really interesting voice and he's such a specifically p- p- like performed character in a franchise with very generic performances mostly and then his death is like borderline off screen and it's like i connected to this guy i quite like this guy <laughs> at least let me see him die at least let it feel like it i was... want to say goodbye to him <laughs> yeah i don't know at least let it feel like the the film wants me to care about him he dies yeah, in a right. way that's like another one bites the dust to raise tension and it's like oh that guy was great that, that he was so scared <laughs> he was so scared as well it's always it's always a real bummer when one of the more scared characters dies in a horror movie because i'm always mm. like oh that sucks for them they met their worst end yeah hmm just like they specifically didn't want to happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Do you have anything else you want to say about any of the Paranormal Activity movies? No, I thought they were fun. Well, we can move on now to to continue the franchise, Richard. If you really thought it was fun, you'd be happy to watch more. Um, I am. And unfortunately for us, this is usually a segment where we uh, pitch a new entry in the franchise. All the fucking good ideas have been taken already, man. Like, Yeah, a ghost camera? <laughs> no, I'm talking like if we were thinking outside the box, right? In, in 2009, a short digital comic called Paranormal Activity, The Search for Katie, was released on iPhones. Um, an augmented <laughs> reality game called Paranormal Activity Sanctuary was released in 2011. Uh, it's a you know, mobile game that was first location-based, the first location-based augmented reality game ever produced and combined vision-based ar with user-generated content and geosocial elements so it sounds like paranormal activity pokemon go basically yeah yeah like predating it (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. and there's also a video game called paranormal activity the lost soul in 2017 which came out on windows and ps4 i'd never heard of this game the game was engineered for vr and made use of playstation vr as well as oculus rift and the htc vive for windows uh, though vr was not required to play imagine paranormal activity as a vr game that would make me die i would die (laughs) i would die of fright (laughs) i think (laughs) But also, what a great... If you'd pitch that to me as you'll continue the franchise, I'd be like, Richard, you're so fucking good at this, bro. (laughs) But it already exists. It already exists. Uh, There's also, I mentioned this before, in 2013, A Haunted House came out, which was a parody of Mm. the Paranormal Activity films. Is that the Wayans Brothers ones? Yes. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, probably one of the more interesting uh, continue the franchises that actually exists that uh, nearly sort of... Uh, shook our plan for this episode a non-canon japanese paranormal activity sequel was inexplicably produced and released in 2010 called paranormal activity 2 tokyo night uh it follows haruka yamano who was in a car accident that broke her legs she stays at home with her brother while their father is away and strange activity starts happening in the house and it's later revealed that I, I could not spoil it. Shall we watch this for film franchise Maybe. follow-ups? Maybe. Also, uh, worth pointing out, uh, A Haunted House is a franchise. There's A Haunted House too. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, all of this, you know, all of these are great ideas, but, um, and then I came up with an idea, Richard, and then I found mm-hmm. out that this idea already exists, a documentary about the making of the films <laughs> called Unknown Dimension, the story of paranormal activity, was released on October 29th, 2021, um, so he- I, here's my pitch for a new movie, It's it, I don't know what it would be called, but it's a documentary about making the new paranormal activity like making paranormal Hmm. activity eight but in the documentary spooky spooky goings on goings on for the you know so and i thought you could even be real and this this isn't really the sense of humor of this franchise but you could make it like the movie that they're making in the movie is like really clearly like jump the shark like paranormal activity in space or something so it's Hmm. like you know all the hallmarks of a diminishing returns so yeah, and like a the demon is mad that they're and that they're like making fun that, 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 yeah, yeah man that's great that's it's very it's very similar to new nightmare but it's still yeah, it's yeah, still yeah. unique enough though what about you what's your idea uh well i thought uh, uh, you know like i mentioned before i'm a skeptic when it comes to these sort of things mm. so i and you know what's what's 
more spooky or more interesting than the human condition and so yeah, of course i'm the pitching spookiest thing imaginable <laughs> i'm pitching normal activity oh hey! <laughs> uh, yes 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 he's done it again <laughs> he's still got it <laughs> fuck you're good at this so yeah like what what would happen if just no- nothing strange happened to Micah i and love this i Katie. love this idea richard and making it like like remove it from paranormal activity if you if you want wanting to make you know pursue this as a movie mm. by yourself and like just make a movie and it's just normal activity where nothing happens oh my mm. god that's so funny that's it, what it, it's, like, it's shot in the same way yeah yeah but just nothing happens <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, so I love yeah that. normal activity that's that's my Nice. Well, the one of the last things we have to do now is head on over to letterboxd.com uh, where we are going to rank dat franchise. This is where we compare it to the uh, other franchises we've watched and decide where we think it should go on the list. There are 179 films. So this is our 180th franchise. Isn't that interesting? Oof. Let's just leave it there. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> Paranormal Activity, where do you think... Where, give me a ballpark. Or it's hard I? because it is... Like I like I said, I still enjoy... Like, I enjoyed my time with this franchise, even mm. though it is diminishing returns. And so I'm torn as to whether it should be just above or just below the Nymphomaniac Constant. Well, we always say this, and then we get, actually get to the Nymphomaniac Constant, and we're like... There's some bad movies around the Nymphomaniac Constant. So let's say, do you think that this is a better franchise than the Predator franchise? Yes. I agree. Would you say it's a better franchise than the Purge franchise? Yeah. Would you say it's a better franchise than the Sleepaway Camp franchise? Yeah. Would you say it's a better franchise than the Blade franchise? Yeah. (laughs) Alrighty. Would you say it's a better franchise than Final Destination? No. Oh, okay. Is it a better franchise than Scary Movie? Yes. Well, Richard, we are miles above the Nymphomaniac Constant, which is at a a pitiful um, 87, and we've just placed Paranormal Activity as the 57th best franchise we've ever watched. Do you you agree with that? I think it's probably better than Final Destination, actually. Put it above it, then. Okay, well, is it better than... You know what? It's not better than Fright Night. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Which is above Final Destination. All right, cha- we changed our minds, everybody. It's the 56th best franchise we've ever watched. I don't know if people are still betting on where we're placing these, but I'm sure they'll be running to the, the letterbox to count now to see if we've placed it yet. <laughs> and yeah, what do we do now, Richard? We have to, to announce what our next franchise is. And dun, dun, dun. This, this week we're doing that via Patreon poll. If you donate... Uh, as little as a dollar, you get to vote, suggest and vote on every second franchise we cover. And Richard, it has been like a crazy chaotic poll. Uh, this, Just this, this afternoon. This, this afternoon. Um, and yeah, probably one of the, the most like heated it's been in, in years, I reckon, um, mm. for first place. Like I genuinely don't know 
what's usually i have some idea now i'm like anything can happen but before you reveal what has the most votes i would just like to say that if you enjoyed this podcast then please consider following us on all the places particularly twitter and instagram sorry x x and instagram um at cold popsha you can also join our discord which there is a link to in the show notes uh, and if you would like to be part of the magic make the magic happen you can head on over to patreon.com slash cold where you get to do things like tell us what movies to watch we release two extra podcasts a month he says in quotation marks um and yeah, all sorts of benefits and fun extra stuff i think you know i think we have a pretty good patreon package i feel like whenever yeah. i see other patreons I'm, I'm sometimes i'm like that's not as good as our one it's always like pay 30 dollars and you will get your name mentioned <laughs> in a big list of names on <laughs> on, on, on or like you, you'll have your credits uh your name in the credits of our youtube videos mm-hmm, exactly so richard are you on patreon tell me I what am. has won so yeah like you said it's been a heated one um anaconda slash lake placid which if you don't know crossover was at the top for a long time i thought it was it had, it had run away with the lead i was like I yeah that's it one that i didn't even realize was in the running is the marine which is tied with uh anaconda lake placid at the moment <laughs> uh what else also tied with them is the peewee trilogy uh, uh they they tr- you know r.i.p paul rubens some yeah. of our patrons tried to get us to do a timely release next next fortnight but uh did not work out so all of those are tied together one point above them mm. is the underworld franchise oh hell yeah let's do it let's watch the underworld movies i'm not finished aj because one point above underworld is star trek you're kidding me (laughs) i'm not kidding you how are we gonna do star trek it's like so star trek is very neatly split into three Mm. eras Mm. of one two three four five six films and then four films and then three films so are we going to maybe watching star trek movies uh what are we going to do about meeting of the elders we didn't think about that we didn't think about multi-week franchises where we could see meeting of the elders and aren't you like going away soon <laughs> i am so this is maybe an off-pod thing or there might be a delay in the final part of star trek or something like that but we'll work it out and okay. in two weeks time star trek the whatever the, the, the original, original series the yeah, right. yeah um will be out and then i can't believe underworld didn't win before when i said i didn't like, even know uh, star trek had been suggested <laughs> before when i said like oh i genuinely don't have an idea of what's won i was lying because i knew it was underworld this is this is the first time in the history of letting patrons choose which franchise we do next that i've genuinely been surprised that this <laughs> i'm not even kidding I'm, I'm telling the truth now you called me out i'm telling the truth Alrighty, well tune in next week for two dudes who haven't seen the series <laughs> yeah. haven't seen the tv show watching Oof. exclusively the movies do the movies need the context of the sh- of the show that's the question that we'll, we're we'll find out the answer <laughs> going to forward into what how many did you say like Six, 13? four, and three. Yeah. 13 movies. Fuck. Okay, well, everybody, thank you for listening and stay tuned for the post credit scene, which is coming at you after this music ends, and we'll see you in two weeks for Star Trek. Ooh. 
Welcome along to the post credit scene. This is a segment at the end of each episode where if you donate $5 or more over at patreon.com slash you get to give us something to talk about in this, the post credit scene. Richard, who is it from and what is it? Uh, today's one comes to us from Scott Doerr who writes, What are your thoughts on the writer's strikes? Do you think this will have a good flow-on effects for indie films? So writers two questions. actors are on, stri- are on hmm. strike at the moment. I Just- support them. I do too, and I think, fuck yeah, I love watching, like, uh, you know, industry get dismantled and topple, mm. even if it's my own industry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I think this is great. I think it's awesome, and, and it's it's great to, like, um, really, like, demonstrate the worth of individual artists. I'm sure I'm not going to be saying anything particularly unique or groundbreaking but i do support them the second question though is something that i find uh, is a lot more of a interesting unique question mm. well it's it's will this have a flow-on effect for indie films yeah because like guess- a20 with the writers the actor strike a24 films are still filming because a24 has met every single one of the union's mm. demands yeah. and so yeah. they're still allowed to film there's also stuff still filming in the uk because they're yeah. not under the AMT PT. Um, no, it's the, it's the studio that's different. They're oh, still right, under right. SAG, but they're not oh, right, answering right. to the studio. They won't answer their demands or the conglomerate or whatever. Um, and Margaret Thatcher made it illegal to go on solidarity strikes. So the British actors can't strike legally. Wow. Um, do, you know what, do you know what that's called, Richard? That's called girl power. <laughs> <laughs> this is my fight song. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think, will it have a flow on effect for indie films? I mean, you would hope so. And mm. like, or it's, it's, I, I feel like the strikes have been going on for long enough now that we are going to be doomed to some pretty shitty content for the next year, at least. Well, Maybe it's, even it's, longer. It's interesting because I, we're starting to see studios delay, like Craven the Hunter, shit like that. Like, there's talk of the Marvels being delayed. There's talk of Dune being delayed. And mm. it's these things that they... Like, something like the Marvels really needs that press tour of the three of them mm. having fun and making viral moments and stuff. And so it's not that no one's... It just needs people talking about it. It needs virality. And... Yeah, the biggest thing is not being able to, not having your actors be able to promote the films rather than not being able to make stuff. But we, there's some very obvious stuff from the 2007 Writer's Strike films that clearly had a rush script, TV shows that didn't finish oh, yeah. seasons and and whatnot. And I am I think the effect isn't going to be as obvious this time um, because the, the content machine isn't as... Um, it's not as like periodic as it, it was that sure, yeah. you can, you can, it's a lot more accepted now to just not make anything for an extended period of time. Yeah, that's you know? true. That's true. There will be, there will be things that there'll be TV shows where they had an episode and a half left to film. And because the strike went on so long, it wasn't worth getting everything back together to make the last one. So they just, rewrite some adr and the and you know tie it up there which is sort of what happened with breaking bad season one and that's why that doesn't end in a particularly uh epic place Mm. but i I think we'll see a bit of that but um 
Yeah, I, I think, and this is part of what the writers are striking about, that the idea of like writer's room, that there are a lot more fully written TV shows that are just ready to go to be mm. made um, than, than there ever was all that time ago. Now that the actors are on strike, it's a bit different. And I think that we will just get a gap in content for a wee while um we never think like they're delaying some stuff that's due at the end of this year to fill in an upcoming gap so yeah i mean we might get rushed post-production and stuff people's people still um you know desperate to make that release date so Mm. post-production's rushed or something like that if only there was some way something the studios could do to um solve this problem you know like it's so hard when you back back to back uh issues that that you cannot so you know we had the pandemic putting cinemas out of action and now this thing is is anyway i'm making a joke about how the studios can do something this time and if they really fucking cared about cinema you know if they Mm. really cared they would pay people more (laughs) pay people (laughs) the money that they absolutely can pay them you know yeah how do you feel about uh like a-list actors and stuff showing up or not showing up on the picket line because this is a big thing that like some people being like they're not even down there and whatnot but like mm. I, there's certain things where i don't know just uh, t- t- like the optics of it are so because there's a lot of people around the world that especially now that the actors are on strike are like these fucking actors just trying to get richer and it's like okay well what industry do you work in and then it's like you know whatever it is it's like okay well what does your ceo make okay well then your industry shouldn't go on strike because that guy makes a shit ton of money yeah, and yeah. it's like you yeah you can't judge based on the highest earners and that yeah. that's just stupid but like like yeah like yeah mark, mark ruffalo probably has millions of dollars in his bank account but fucking like you know bob Iger has probably nearly a billion at this stage yeah you know yeah like yeah i mean the disparity between the studio heads and even the rich, richest actors is insane but yeah like it is interesting that yeah getting the big actors on the picket line it's like you know it does show a lot more support for the cause and show how serious it is but then at the same time they're like yeah i I can see why some of them aren't when it's like i don't want to make this about me as well yeah 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 so yes to indie movies uh yeah it's i mean like because a24 is like the only studio that's one of the only studios that's still producing films so i think that yeah there will be maybe a little bit of a boom Hmm. thank you scott (laughs) 